Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's happening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Courtside Fracas. So uh, it's been a massive week in the NBA. Um, as me and the guys were just discussing, it, it feels like it's been a month of all the developments and, and all the, I guess, investment and emotions involved in it. Um, what started as an initial sort of fascination with the bubble based around superficial gimmicks and what players would be allowed to do with their time, whether it's golfing or fishing or snitching on a hotline or the better teams getting better hotels, the real significance of this player-focused bubble and, and, of course, certain reporters to document it all is really the story has been the unification and the ability of these players to sort of come together um, and really make profound statements on situations happening in the United States and do what is within their power um, to protest and to raise awareness and to show their disgust and unhappiness with it. But as we're going to sort of discuss, that power is, is limited to, to a point. And, and that's maybe one of the hardest things about this, about this whole situation. So just quickly, we are going to give like a little rundown, a little chronology of the week. It was only um, after last week's pod Sunday evening that the, the day's games ended with a Luka Doncic buzzer beater that we all discussed with each other on Monday morning and had the internet alight and was probably going to lead to all these is Luca top 10 and this, that and the other discussions. Um, and very, very quickly, the focus turned away from that sort of stuff and away from the basketball to more pressing issues which have surrounded the restarting of the NBA from, from before we even got to Orlando. So um, unbeknownst to everybody, around the same time on the 23rd of August, Jacob Blake, 29 years old, was shot several times in the back, seven times in the back, I believe, as he entered a car where his three children were seated. His family say he's been left paralysed from the waist down, although doctors do not know if this is permanent. And according to BBC, he's needed, needed nearly all of his colon and intestine removed and suffered damage to his kidney, liver and arm. Now, obviously, this news is incredibly central to the Black Lives Matter movement and is what so much of these protests and anthem kneels have been around in terms of police brutality to unarmed and undeserving black men in America. Um, and so this news has filtered through to the bubble and to the NBA. So as early as Monday, there was sort of whispers that George Hill of the Milwaukee Bucks had decided he was, he was not going to play. He was in no fit state to play. Um, 
but games did go ahead and and it was it was very small time sort of discussions uh, Miami completed their sweep of the Indiana Pacers Oklahoma City Thunder got a game back on the Houston Rockets um it wasn't until Tuesday that sort of the the significance of these events had really hit home with the NBA and you started hearing players voice their feelings about it um after the Dallas Mavericks battered the got battered by the LA Clippers 154 to 111 you really heard Doc Rivers come out and show his emotion on the issue and discuss how how hard it is to love a country that doesn't love us in terms of himself and other black Americans um you also just had him discuss that it's hard being in the bubble and seeing the players react when they're detached from everything. Paul George, on a separate note, had come back with a good game on this night and had discussed just sort of separately the mental health issues of being away from everybody and being in the bubble and saying he underestimated just how big it would have an impact, especially with his poor performances, about having a bit of anxiety and depression and being locked in, using his words. Um, so when you take that in combination with how Doc Rivers was discussing things, in combination with the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors, uh, allegedly, according to Mark Spears at ESPN, um, discussing to boycott their second round game on Thursday, there was clearly a much bigger emphasis in the bubble than basketball. And then Wednesday is where it all really, really kicked off. I think uh, going by what a lot of reporters in the bubble have said, it was unplanned and, and George Hill was the only... Bucks player who really had made this decision, but just before the game, the Bucks just didn't want to leave him on his own, and and um, in solidarity with him, boycotted the first of the NBA games to be boycotted or protested or postponed, as the NBA like to say. Um, the Magic would have informed um, the game clock to to tip off went down, and the Bucks did not come out. The Bucks refused to come out. Um, a lot of NBA officials tried to get them out, and they were just not not going to play the game. Um, the developments there were really interesting as well in terms of um, legislative officials in Wisconsin were contacted, big government officials were contacted in the dressing room uh, by the Bucks, and it just showed sort of the, the reach being made by these NBA players when they can. Um, fast forward then to later that night, there was a famous players meeting. Um, the takeaway headline was that the Lakers and the Clippers walked out and decided that the NBA should stop. This has been sort of tempered a little bit by by a big journalist saying that it, it was where some of the players were and some did want to go home, but it was never really that final. And then the next day, um, a second meeting in the morning led by Andre Iguodala and Chris Paul basically said, we are going to continue, but there is this whole, whole issue where two or three days worth of games were postponed um, and players just really aren't in any fit state to be caring about basketball, it seems like. I think a lot of the issues, guys, in terms of whether to go home or whether to stay, were epitomised quite well by Chris Paul and Andre Iguodala in terms of what the impact would be of going home compared to what the impact would be of staying. Um, Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics had a quote that went quite wide in terms of what are you going to do if you go home? Are you going to be out in the streets or are you going to be at home with your families and, and just wait for it to blow over, essentially? Uh, there was an unnamed player as well, um, quoted by Ramona Shelburne, who basically said there's a lot of players who haven't come for social justice reasons and we ain't really heard a lot from them. So I think 
the onus now is on the NBA players to deliver on what they've decided. It's a lot better to stay in the bubble with the platform, with the ability to boycott and stop sports. Because the MLS, Major League Baseball, a lot of games have stopped off of what the Milwaukee Bucks and the NBA have decided to do. So that's 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 my sort of breakdown of the week so far. We have decided to carry on. There were some games last night, there's some games today, and, and it's carrying on as, as planned. Um, but that's kind of the chronology of the week, and it's been a major week. There's been times where we felt like the players were going to win. There's been times where people have agreed and disagreed. Um, over to you lot, really. What's been your, your takeaways from watching this unfold? How are you feeling in terms of enjoying the sport moving forward? Who do you think is right? Who do you think is wrong? Who do you think we should be listening to? And, and what do you think these players can realistically achieve? To me, me for one, um, I'm somewhat disappointed to see everything sort of blow over again and just continue as normal. Um, I know when the bubble conversation first arised a lot of the conversation was centered around the different sort of uh, factions that were being built between pockets of uh, NBA players you had the guys like LeBron who were leading the charge of we're we're big famous guys we we have this platform why not use it we can do both then you had the Kyries who were basically taking the stand of I'm not with systemic racism of any sort this feels a bit fishy I'm not feeling like playing is going to do any benefit. And I feel like uh, we got to maybe Wednesday and I felt like Kyrie had somewhat been been vindicated of a lot of the tags that he had been given um, of just being a disruptor and things like that. Because ultimately, what what has been achieved from these players going into the bubble? We see a few canned messages on jerseys. We, and then we just get back to the basketball. We're heavily entertained. I think all of us have been quite relieved to have something to to speak about and enjoy. But ultimately, a lot of those social justice things have just been forgotten. They're 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 almost they're almost a footnote to everything. Um, and for us to be in that state where we get that full sense of security, and then for another black man to be shot by the police, I think it's just proving the pudding that no matter how powerful people are or what platform they have, unless as a community and as a wider state of society, we all band together and really hone in on these things. They're just going to keep, keep happening. There's not, we're never really going to see an end to it until we put it as the main priority instead of just something to bring awareness to when something happens. Um, so to see them go ahead. If it was up to you, would you have just said like done it? Everyone go home. That's it. Finished. I'd say so. Um, we're, in, we're in that position now where we need something drastic to happen. Otherwise, mm. people aren't going to take it seriously. Like Black Lives Matter on the court, say her name on the back of a jersey with while, while still having uh, the, the A1 stars still carry their names on the back of their shirt. Mm. It's sort of a, for me, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's like an overlay almost. It doesn't feel real to me. It's, it's, and it's unfortunate because the NBA is the most black represented league in any sport mm. um, in terms of every single major star bar maybe one now is that of African descent. 
and really has that that draw and that pull to basically say, listen, I'm the leader of the charge. Especially when you got uh, LeBron James on his Malcolm X advocate run for the whole week prior. For me, for me, it's in bad taste for for everything to just come back and for him to be like, "Fuck this, I'm done with this season" type of vibe, and then yeah. they're playing the next yeah. day. It's it's weird to me, man. It was even funny. Like I don't know if you, obviously, there was a lot of um, talk that the Clippers and the Lakers wanted to say, "Let's finish the season, let's go home." And then I don't know. I might have been Bleach Report on Instagram. I saw like a comment from Dame Lillard saying, "Like, where are you not getting your information from?" Because like. It seems that that's not obviously the case. Like I, for one, don't think there's any chance in hell that LeBron James said, "Yeah, let's go home." Like <laughs> he wants, he wants the title. So, like, based on based on the reporting by the Athletic, um, which was sort of a collection of bubble-based reporters, I think that headline was uh, overdone a little bit. Okay. I think LeBron did leave early, but I think that's because the meeting lasted about three hours until whatever o'clock in the morning. Um, and I think it was heavily discussed that like why why continue, but I think it was always the plan to revisit. I think a lot of people were upset in the moment. I think a lot of people were affected in the moment. Um, but apparently, it, it wasn't the Lakers and the Clippers. There was Lakers players who disagreed. There was Clippers players who disagreed. And yeah, so I think um, Dame might be right on that one. That I think we don't know what was said in those meetings because they were player meetings. And um, although players and reporters have great relationships, it's, it's player meetings and we'll never really know about who said what and this at the other. But what is clear is that people are conflicted, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few. Because when I was looking on that like, social media and even like, speaking to friends and just people who are like quite powerful in sports or whatnot, and there were quite a few that are quite disappointed with the players for coming back. But um, like, just on the flip side, um, I just want to know what people actually want from the players. Because there's a lot of criticism, but then if people don't know what they want from the players or want them to do, then how can you be critical of people when you don't have something in your mind yourself of what you want to accomplish from it? So I want to ask you guys, is there, is there anything specifically that you're looking for the players to accomplish? Well, this is, I mean, I don't want to talk too much, Nee, but you've just raised a point, and I'll let someone else answer that directly in a sec, that I kind of reflected on this week where even when it all kicked off in the UK, there were, I was a bit, not cynical, it was nice to see the widespread people taking to the streets and it was good to see, even if it was partly tokenistic, it was good to see big organisations listening to Black Lives Matter protests and movements and this that, and the other. But there was a part of me that was frustrated in that, okay, everyone's going to Central, but for what? And what is the outcome? And if you don't have an outcome, it's just going to peter out. And if there's not an organised plan, what good is all of this demonstrating? But I think one thing I've seen with this week as well is that I don't know what the players can do, personally. And I think you're allowed to just be angered and upset and just, I guess, for use of a better word, act out and do something and not always have a perfect plan. And I think that might be what some people were saying of, oh, they should have this, this, this. But I've realised that you can't always have this plan. And even when you do have these plans, they take how long to really make change. Like change doesn't happen overnight. So it's a tough one. And I feel, I, I feel for the players, to be honest, because I feel like they probably did want to do more. 
but probably feel quite limited in, in what they can do. And it must be uh, humbling for a lot of these people who in their day-to-day life live in their own bubble of celebrity influence and power and fame and finance to just be realize actually at the end of the day, we live in a society where evils happen and prejudices happen and racism happens. And there's not anything anyone can directly do about that in the short term. So I, I don't know personally, but, um, but it'd be interesting to get, get other views. Disu, how, how have you taken to this whole boycott thing? And where do you stand compared to Sai in terms of should have stopped? But then I think the Jaden Brown quote is interesting that he's gone straight at the players and said, if you leave, are you going to leave and hang out with your families or are you going to be in the trenches and in the streets? And, and what is going to be achieved by leaving and compared to staying? Um. <clears throat> My take is probably not the most popular take, but I kind of lie. I thought the whole thing was kind of nasty. Um, I understand the bucks because obviously, um, I think where this happened was a lot closer to it's where the like bucks twenty played. miles from Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I actually rate that, especially from George Hill, as you detailed um, adeptly. But the the how everything else unfolded was just nasty. The reason why I say I find it nasty is because I don't believe in token gestures, I don't believe in um, empty, like, empty gestures, grand gestures that actually don't really mean things. And the reason why, it's not because people ain't showing kind heart. You always want to see people show kind heart, even if it's not a big deal. But the problem with empty gestures is that once people do them, they believe they've done their part and they keep it moving. So people will get involved in empty gesture, Black Lives Matter, hashtag, donate some money, and then they'll keep it moving. Doesn't matter how much money you donate, that like this is a systematic issue. So donate, you can donate $10 billion to, to people in um, underprivileged areas. Ain't gonna make a slight bit of difference because they are, there is certain barriers, rules, um, ceilings in place to stop people progressing. And when you talk about the issue, which is police brutality on unarmed and unprovoking black men and black women, that's nothing to do with money. That's to do with purely with race. So we're looking at the issues at hand and how the NBA has handled it. It just seems like a lot of, in the, like we're kind of following a trend type of thing. This is not for me to say that some NBA players don't care because I believe almost all of them do because a lot of them are black. So they're going to care naturally. And we see a lot of players from Chris Paul to DeMar DeRozan to Russell Westbrook to James Harden to LeBron James to Yanis who do a lot of work within their own communities. So... This is not me saying that these men don't care, not trying to help. But in terms of what's happening now, it's just like, okay, we thought we have to do this. Like, even the whole, I'm not sure if I said it in this group chat or in my other group chat, the whole kneeling thing, to me, is nasty because when Cap was kneeling, man mm. was saying they're not going to kneel. Mm. So why are you doing it three years later? Three, four years later? It's fucking, excuse me, it's fucking outrageous. Like, see LeBron yesterday kneeling and doing the Wakanda thing. I just wanted to slap him. Like, get the fuck up. Like, what's this yeah. about? It's, it's, when just, it's when it's comfortable to do it, right? Because yeah. exactly. when, when, when the risk of doing this is non-existent. In fact, we, we spoke about on the pod about um, the gentleman that blew out his knee. I forget his name that played for the Magic. That didn't... Uh, Jonathan uh, Isaac. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Isaac. Isaac. Yeah, that didn't need. Him not kneeling was the risk. And he was getting dragged for it online and those articles about and, and post-game questions. Kneeling now is not risky. So... I don't commend it. Putting Black Lives in the Matter and all these things in the back of the names, I don't commend it because it doesn't mean anything. Because you did it when it became a worldwide trend when everybody's doing it. 
So you're not taking any risks. It's not like the WNBA who've been doing this ish from for the jump. Like you're not taking any risks. So when when we talk about should they stop the playoffs, they they cancel the games to play two days later. Are you, <laughs> what? Even the thing what? with the thing with that this is even when the first postponements happen, this isn't like a you know what, at the end of the day, maybe we should carry on. Even in the reports of the first postponements, it seemed like one to two days later was always the plan. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was, it was obvious. So it's to, to me, it's an empty gesture. You just, just messed up the... Just messed up Jalen Brown. I, and me personally, I wouldn't have boycotted the games because me boycotting the games, I could still make a solid stand as an NBA, as an NBA player without boycotting the games. Not to say the games are more important, but I just don't believe the anti-gestures. All the players could have come out and said after the game in all the interviews or on their social media accounts, like, we want to see changes. We want to see stuff from our owners. What, what do our owners think? What do uh, Joe Lacob thinks and all these other type of people? Like, that type of stuff. Just, like, ugh, I find it so frustrating because I've seen this happen year after year. Obviously, as a young black person, I've seen it happen year after year after year. Empty gestures. Yeah. Everybody feels good about themselves. We're, we were saying this is such, oh my God, this is such a powerful message. And three days later, nothing's changed. Everybody's back on the same ish. Do you see what I'm saying? So I think, I think the I, best point you've made there, Disu, is for all their power, all their fame, all their riches, the players are still not the people who make these differences at the top, top, top of society, right? And we discussed yeah. a while back... Um, on I think maybe the second pod on what the NBA are doing and this 300 million over 10 years. And that sounds like a huge number until you realize that it's firstly, which we did say then, and you've kind of alluded to again, papering over cracks, although they are saying the right things in terms of opportunity for black adolescent males and and workforce and this, that and the other. Okay, cool. But that's 1 million per franchise every year for 10 years. So that's, that's a drop. Pocket, in, pocket in, money. in the ocean. Like a week's wages for Tobias Harris. It's like, and then there's that side of it. And then, like you said, it's the owners. So it's okay. We, we hear the players bring up Breonna Taylor and uh, now Jacob Blake and everything in interviews, right? And um, I can't remember what player it was. Oh, forgive me, but someone in their media um, time just left. Tobias Harris. Uh, who was it? Tobias Harris. With his trainers, right? Oh, no, no, no. I thought you meant like somebody, like the first bubble interview, he just said, yo. I just said the names. Yeah, a few have yeah, done that. Yeah. Some, someone just left customised trainers with faces of those we've lost yeah. on there for like 10 minutes for the camera. And and those these gestures are powerful and they are profound. But at the yeah. same time, they're not the people who make, they, they're the people who make the awareness, uh, but they're not the people who make the change. And so you do kind of wonder it's hard to know what happens behind closed doors, but... Yeah, like, to, 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 round, to round up, like, so I'm not blaming the players because they have limited power and some, some of them do a lot what they can do. Mm. But, like, I just, I just don't... I'm a cynic and I've seen too much. I just don't trust these organisations. Yeah. First of all, why, do, why aren't the man them calling out the people that are paying their bills, saying, like, what are you, man, really saying? You're not doing that. That's, that's where I thought, I thought there was going to be a shift with that, though. Um, and and that, even, even with the China thing, their man wanted to railroad... Um, I know it's completely off-topic, but... What Durham, like Durham was like, oh, a madness has happened in China, but because of the financial implications, the NBA were like, yo, and even LeBron came out and started twerking. No, if you'll take a dead MLK book out of here, bro. I don't want to see none of this shit. It's just disgusting. It's, it's completely disgusting. And 
And I think the younger players, the reason why this has happened is because of the younger players. I see it with the NFL, like with the likes of um, Odell mm-hmm. Beckham, Zeke Elliott, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watkins, these are young players and they're kind of grew up in the same era that we have where we're not, we're not really trying to have it at all. Do you know what I'm saying? And we're going to show it through our social media because we've kind of been shown that it's okay to express ourselves. And I think I read something, no, I heard something from Stephen A. Smith say like, even the young players were like, I don't know why LeBron's out here talking like, running around like he park. Like, <laughs> they weren't feeling it. Mm-hmm. And all this stuff is because of the younger players. And now you get the likes of LeBron and Chris Paul running around like they park. It's just nasty to me. I'm sorry. Like, the whole, I think is all I got the images of Cap kneeling and them asking LeBron and saying, no, 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 like I stand with him, that's my brother, but I just thought she's out for the national anthem. Three years later, you're doing Wakanda forever and kneeling. No, 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 no. I can't. I can't. I just can't. It's just too nasty to me. Too I know it's controversial, but I, 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 I'm too cynical for that. That's probably part of the problem is that people, like, it's not just in sports, but like in general, like celebrities and people who are aliases or whatever, I think they put them in too much high regard. Like because they've got access and because they know a lot of people and have a lot of money, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that they're built like that to be honest to incite change and make changes and have, be like an activist that like, i'm not everybody being activist to be honest so i think people shouldn't have so much expectation of the players so i personally wasn't that disappointed because like, you just got to look at them like there's probably quite a few of them who weren't that educated or maybe like not that intelligent or that way inclined so like i can't really put too much onus in them and be like why aren't you doing this or that because i'm not everybody's bull like that to be honest so well, Lee, you've got a point there. I'm going to come to you, Sai, because I see you wanted to make a point earlier. But on that one, not that I think voting in America in particular is the be-all and end-all, because I see it as two sides of the same coin, even though that seems to be the big takeaway is we should vote more. But Chris Paul kind of stuck it on everybody who was being a, a social activist by saying 20% of you lot are registered to vote to, in the players' meeting. So it was like, OK, cool. And again, voting in America, I don't really see as a... No, no, but that's, that, that's, a, that's a good point, though. That, that is a good point. Like, I feel like we proper underestimate all the, like, this stuff is multi-layered. You can't just change things overnight. Or those yeah. are all little... Obviously, there's, there's certain things that basically delve, delve deep into this. I know it's not a politics podcast where they do certain things that they kind of move, like, the jurisdiction. So if you've got loads of black people in one pocket and they could potentially elect one of their own, they'll kind of forgaze you the lines, like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? So, Gerrymandering. Yeah, exactly. So, but the fact that you got to, we got to be, you got to be patterned from all perfect. You got to use exhaust all options, whether it be exhaust all legal options, as use exhaust all political options, and use all social media options. And if it comes to actual more physical action, whether it be protesting or burning it down, you got to exhaust all those too. But yeah, as Chris Paul's hundred percent right, man can't be out here talking this down the front. You don't even register to vote. It's not even hard to register to vote. How you're a millionaire? How you register to vote? It's outrageous. Like this is what I mean, man. No, these men are nasty. This is it. And I think as well, it's not like the UK as well in terms of they have all this Congress and senators and this, that and the other where, bruv, the Milwaukee Bucks, by, according to some reports, were like in their dressing room finding out how politics works. They were like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. You tried to lobby and then someone was on the phone saying we lobbied that two months ago, but this happened and the Republicans have to OK it and this senator and that. And that's my one hope is that they realize how much work like you said from all angles this needs to go into this stuff and it needs to be more than speaking out as a celebrity and it needs to be being involved at all levels because money's not going to change systematic issues the system being essentially tore down and and restructured is the only thing that is and that's going to take 
time, maybe generations, but also a lot of effort outside of their usual lives. Um, si, you were, you were going to come in with something a second ago. What, what was that? Yeah, so uh, f- firstly, I, I mirror the sentiments uh, of Disu in terms of the token gestures and all of that stuff isn't really what I want to see anymore. Um, where this felt like it could have been a pivotal point is in the fact that the owners were being mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the players were saying, we want to hear the owners say something. We want to see them come to bat for us. And that's, that for me is the, the most pertinent point. As everyone's sort of touched on, the players aren't the ones that make the difference. The celebrities aren't the ones that make the difference. It's the heads of the companies that govern a lot of these initiatives that are the people that need to need to be the ones that usher in the change. And I feel like the NBA has enough highly powerful men at the helm and, and Adam Silver who speaks on the issues. But again, we're getting like these, these one millions a year from each team and stuff like that. Those aren't the things that are going to make systemic uh, changes are they so if if the NBA did make a decision all the owners and Adam Silver basically see what the players are saying or even if the players force it through by just refusing to play they're going to be in a stick or twist situation do we do we back our employees or do we continue this model do we continue basically brushing everything under the carpet to have our entertainment or do we actually make the lives of these of these people and our fan base better? Do we make it equal? And for me, in them restarting after having all the discussions in the first place on how to handle social injustice and how to tackle matters of uh, systemic oppression, they started playing and then they started playing again. So for me, all that indicates is they don't give a damn on any level. It's like, shut up and dribble that's that's mm. literally it for me like and that's where the disappointment comes in I don't, i'm not disappointed in the players i'm not really all that disappointed in even the fans for tuning in it's just on that level i do expect an owner or two to step up and be counted at this point um what well, i know say you feel quite um disappointed by how it's turned out what going back to knees question because i'd I don't have the answer, um, and I don't think a lot of players do. What would you have preferred, just personally, to be the outcome of that uh, meet Wednesday night? So, one of one of one of the things that uh, struck me was the fact that the Bucks players were trying to contact uh, government officials. Um, for me, that's a start because, at the very least, it, it can it can give them enough information to start to build a plan. Um, Boycotting the NBA and not playing wasn't going to be the end goal. That that's not going to do anything. But what it does is it gives it gives enough of a impactful moment for everybody's mind to be back on it, and it gives more of a platform for people to start to brainstorm on actionable items. Um, if if you if you stop playing and you have the ear of the owners, then you can actually sit and have real dialogue on what resources are available for them to to sort of help to to start some initiatives i don't know what those look like because i'm i'm not in a position where i can cause that much change on that level but i know on on a basic level all of us know that like the the touching points are obviously 
police need to stop shooting black people. And that, that, that seems overly simplistic, but there's training that goes into it. There's a whole uh, defund the police and put it into different aspects of society. All of those conversations yeah. are... Well, I think you're right in that the Bucks tried to get something legislative put in there about health and safety, for use of a better term, protocols in the police. But then, not to go too deep, but there's always layers to this, right? Um, in um, Kenosha in Wisconsin, afterwards, there was two people shot and one injured by uh, this white maniac, sort of young, a young adult teenager or whatever, who... Unlicensed weapon. Unlicensed weapon on his Facebook is all Blue Lives Matter. He wanted to become a police officer. He's a massive Trump supporter. So it's just like... The train—that's the one thing I've said about the police over there—is like you think they don't touch on this stuff in the training. Of course they do. It's—it's it's even deeper than that. It's the people who slip through and want to be part of this, like, body of power and uh, judge, jury, and executioner, and then I guess bullying, and and it's—it's it's so layered and so tough that like you're right. I don't know what these programs should look like, and that country's entire history is built off the back of this hierarchy of race. So it's like, am I lost? Precisely. And that, that's, that's what makes it complex is, is for me, just important for us to have moments where we take a little bit of the power back and start to start to unravel a little bit of, of, of the systems because ultimately Kyrie's always Kyrie's words are always going to ring true now. At, at the end of the day, something does seem fishy about it. Mm. We've got all of these players in one place. Everybody, everybody sort of stopped playing. The focus was on it, and then they're back to playing again. So, how much power do they really have? How much influence do they really have? Not only in the wider world, but even in the organization. And that, that to me, that to me showcases where the where the issues lie on a wider scale as well. Uh, Obi, Obi, how do you now feel just because despite all of this, there is, there's basketball to be discussed and there's basketball to watch. How do you feel as a fan now, hearing what Sai said, especially in that it was such a quick turnover of we're not playing, so all right, we're playing. How do you feel proceeding to watch the NBA and take in the NBA? And and I didn't watch any of the games last night, personally. No, not, neither though. Not, not through any... I guess not for any conscious decision not to, but it kind of just felt a bit, uh, you know. But then in saying that, I know I'm going to watch tonight. So I don't know, maybe it was just I needed a break from all of that because it was a heavy week or to take in or, or what. But I don't know. I don't know if the players are infected. I know it seemed like Russ wasn't. Russ had a good game. But, um, yeah, how do you feel moving forward just as a spectator with all of this in the backdrop? And will it make you more comfortable if the messages are more pronounced and stronger than they were previously? Um, I think, well, to start, I was a bit like you, that I didn't watch any of the games this week. I don't know whether that was, if that was me thinking I'm a bit tired of this kind of thing. And the same thing that Dissu was saying earlier, like, like the or even that you said, the plan was, like, there was no plan to actually stop the games. It was From the start, it was, we're going to keep going on Saturday. So I kind of thought, like, What's, what's the point? So I think I kind of like took a break from it. I didn't really feel like watching it because like you say, the empty gestures aren't really something that I'm on board with. So, I mean, I probably, I will end up watching the rest of the games, obviously. Um, if we can get to a point where 
I don't know, if something is even initiated, if even something small, then that would make me feel better about it. I think even like me being me being me, being honest, I think regardless, even if they don't say, even if nothing comes out and they say, oh yeah, they haven't got anything in place, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm still going to watch the games. So I don't know if that says more about me as a person or as a basketball fan, but I don't know. Um, I think we can only really hope that something uh, something will be put in place. That more for the not for the point of making us feel better about watching it, but obviously for the point that something needs to something needs to change. Do I think that anything will happen between now and uh, October when the season's supposed to end? Probably not. Um, so, to be honest with you, I don't really, I don't really know. Like, it's, it's, it's tough though. It's tough, yeah. and I think everyone's in quite a difficult position in terms of how to feel about it. It's, I, I still don't know whether I prefer them not playing or them playing and using the platform. I don't know. I think it's an interesting point that people like Kyrie haven't really been um, during this. Maybe I was going to say one thing. I was just going to say that, like, obviously you guys probably feel the same, but I just find it so annoying. People like Kendrick Perkins, Stephen A. Smith and all them lot are talking about what a powerful message it is that the everyone decided to boycott when at the same time a couple of months ago they was calling mm-hmm. Kyrie this that and the third yeah. and exactly. yeah, the, the, the clutch media mafia out here slandering Kyrie <laughs> from the structure and that fucking bums bro like this is what I mean it's nasty mm. yeah, it's, it's nasty they tried to paint Kyrie and Dwight Howard and all them to seem like they're just you know what I mean just being inconvenient but this is this is what I, this is what I rate like them man were like do you know what F the season. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's a global pandemic. We're being killed in the street. Who gives a fuck about basketball? And I understand why players want to, because not everybody's going to have, Harry Irving's been earning like at least $20 million for the last seven years. Not to say this is why he's doing it, because he seems like a very introspective and straight up down person. Where I can see if Harry Irving was even earning $500,000 a year, he would have said, fuck, I'm not playing basketball. But the fact that them man were fully on not playing and they were made to seem out as, do you know what I mean, from likes of Stephen A, Woj, Shams, all these people, and that, oh my God, what a powerful... No! It's, it's, <laughs> the whole thing was just disgusting. And the fact that the man there were back to play in front alley within 48 hours, not even a week, within 48 hours, I was back to seeing crossovers and step-back threes after all this. No, I, I'll never forgive them for this. It's just disgusting. Well, you, you watched it last night, did you? Did you notice any difference or was it literally back to your regularly scheduled programming yeah just... obviously um, I caught it the second half of the Rockets game but it was like a lot obviously to be fair during the whole bubble like the broadcasters have made a point to talk about what's going on and I respect that um, and you can see it's come from a genuine place but um, nah it just, it just it just felt like back to basketball as usual like really and truly and I think that's what some of the players were like likes of Kyrie and that were worried about on that on that point about Kyrie as well, in terms of not hearing from him, he's he's been doing a lot behind the scenes. Yeah, like I said, that might have been my own ignorance and not and not seeing it. So this would be good to hear, sir. Yeah, we 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 probably should touch on the fact. Well, someone touched on it already um, about the WNBA being good spokespeople for um, for all of the initiatives and things. And I don't think we would have got that had Kyrie not put money up to help them still get paid during this bubble. Period. So, again, it's, it's, it might not be a direct thing, but if we, if we were to break it down, realistically, like, he's, he's funneled money into something that stands as a stronger message than whether or not he would have played because he's touched 
he's enabled the black women in the NBA to have a platform because they're getting paid to be in the bubble. And then as a knock-on effect, they're able to do what they do best and enlightenment to social issues. So again, it's, it doesn't always have to be direct. It just has to be about putting, putting your time and your effort into really forcing through some sort of change and enabling people's voices who might be better equipped to push, push things through than you, giving them a platform to maybe do the work that you can't. Um, so yeah, commend, commendations all around, to be perfectly honest. Like the WNBA is something that like, I think goes un, unappreciated for a multitude of reasons. I, I think that kind of, again, to come full circle, and I'm going to come to you in a second, is, is why the NBA is so important with the eyes on it. Because arguably the WNBA are doing as much, but it's being discussed a lot less. So I think that's why maybe to give uh, the Chris Pauls and the Andre Iguodala's of the world their their um, argument is maybe it is so important to carry on playing just because the platform is that much larger. Um, Ni, I mean, your question earlier in, in kind of what do people expect the players to do, um, do you feel a bit more sympathy for them in this whole thing than, than most? To be honest, it's not so much sympathy. It's just um, I'd rather people who watch basketball or engage in these sort of social messages just didn't rely upon celebrities and players so much for their social messaging. I mean, like these guys, I mean, they're not activists and they're not politicians. And to be honest, they should be looking more towards the owners rather than the actual players to provide them with messages and changes because, what, there's like 2,000 billionaires in the world and there's like 30 in the NBA. And if those guys want to sort of like mobilise some sort of change and do stuff behind the scenes, they could, but they're not. So instead, they're kind of passing the buck towards the players who come out with quotes and whatnot. And it's a bit difficult. I mean, it's obviously a difficult situation. And it's hard to think of ideas or like, it's hard to mobilise people and get them pushing in one direction on how you can incite change that will last forever. Because this is obviously quite a deep issue that's been going on for centuries, like four or five hundred years. It's not going to change in a generation. So, um, like, um, to be honest, I'd rather there not be so much focus on the players and maybe more towards the people who are actually like, conducting the business of the NBA. Absolutely. I think that, that phone call that Milwaukee made probably doesn't get happen without their owners' intervention. Um, but then you've made a point there as well. It's like, they're not activists, but because, I guess, successful and um, successful black people on this financial playing field in America is so rare, they are being forced to be, right? Because they are the only ones with that clout and, and stage who maybe being a bit obtuse, but who care and are close enough to the issues to care. So... I don't know. I agree. We all agree. It's about getting these owners and these major corporations and franchises more involved. But it's one of those classic things of until things come home to them, maybe all the care will be relatively superficial. And I think that's where you want to hit pockets and you want to hit finance because that's what a lot of these franchises and owners care about. But then you've got player wages and this and the other. So it's, it's, it's whether people have enough to cut their nose off to spite their face and and really go through with it. But that seems to be the radical step needed, it seems like. So so I don't know. Um, it, it feels a bit of a strange one to even go on to talk basketball now. Um, even on the last pod we did, we, we discussed all the NBA were doing 
and then we went straight into the games. Um, so it feels strange. We, I don't want to. I don't want to be LeBron about it and and <laughs> and just bring up the the games last night. But that I guess the 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 first place I wanted to start was was there any difference? And according to Disu, it doesn't really seem like it is because they were commentators were doing what was it within their power previously and everything like that. What do you think? I mean, last night the Bucks finished their series off as expected, um, gone through to the second round. Portland without Dame Lillard got finished off as expected by the LA Lakers, gone through to the second round. Rockets smacked up OKC 114-80, to one game away from the second round. I think we can reasonably expect all those three teams to be present. Second round starts this evening. Um, with Toronto v Boston, I think considering the nature of today's discussion, I think we might leave the preview of that one to a to a midweek pod after game one in terms of just a bit more detail on the actual players because because I think you lot are right. It does feel strange to go from something so global and so heavy straight into who's going to be winning a matchup out of Tatum and Siakam. Um, also, the fact that it's obviously Tatum is. Um, Makes it not much of a debate, but I guess what I, guess what I want to know is how do you lot see this moving forward? Are we gonna have are we gonna have a cloud over the whole rest of it? Is is it gonna evolve into something more? Is uh, the unification of players is something that we've probably never seen before in terms of the NBA? I mean, they always talk nowadays about there's less fights and rivalries than there used to be in the nineties and. The AAU thing means everyone's played together and known each other 15, 20 years through their high school programs and everything like that. But I doubt that the players have ever been in one place unified by one cause and one shared emotion of hopelessness, anger, frustration, upset as they are now. How do you see this, This, I guess, for the rest of the playoffs, but also even into the summer, the off-season, next season? How do you see this change in the NBA, if at all, in terms of the players, in terms of the ownerships? Is it, what is going to happen? If I'm being dead honest, I feel like it's going to... not. I don't want to say blow over, but I feel like, as you know how like news media cycles are, I feel like give it two weeks, three weeks, people probably kind of forget about it unless someone gets shot again. And... I agree, but do you not feel like, at least with this experience of closeness, it might change the players' attitudes to things in terms of being more proactive? I'm hope I'm being hopeful, I'll be real. I think you're right. I think these things blow over all the time. Mm. And in a lot of cases around the world, don't even get covered. Um, but do you at least hold out hope that this could change the collective attitude to it amongst players? Um, yeah, I guess so. But then I'm just trying to think in my head what that collective proactivity would lead to, or what that would mean. Like, as in, what they would do? Like, would they would they be boycotting again, or would it be something different? I'm trying to try and think in my head. I don't really know. Maybe you guys have some sort of idea of what they would, what might happen uh, in the future. But the way I'm thinking about it, I I don't know. It's just a pessimist in me. I just feel like it's not going to change much. Maybe in the off season when people aren't as focused on the basketball then it might have more of an impact. But I feel like now, majority of people just kind of want to see who's going to win the championship. So. But also, like you said, the off-season is probably longer than it's ever going to be again. Um, mm. It's looking like potentially 2021 till the next season starts. 
that's a lot of room and a lot of time for players to 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 act. This you you've made it really clear how much you hate token gestures and sort of baseless actions. What do you think the most effective things that you've seen publicly in regards to things like racism, in regards to things like social inequalities? What are the most effective measures you've seen happen that you think could be a guideline for what the what the players could do moving forward outside of outside of the bubble? I think actually going out to the streets and protesting and just protesting in all mediums, whether it be so the players are doing a good job of protesting in basketball and that's in their workplace, protesting on social media. But actually, got, what we saw in the streets of Minneapolis and Atlanta and all these cities in America, that made, that's what made everybody start paying attention because people were smashing ish up and there was literally hundreds of thousands of people. And maybe, I think in the UK, we didn't realise, no Americans were literally going every single day on the streets. Like the media coverage died down, but it didn't stop their energy. And also stuff like um, some of the stuff we've seen like with what uh, Meek Mill has done, actually trying to reform the actual system itself that puts these people in harm's way. So to me, like the solve for like when you look at previous brutality is a very, very simple solve, in my opinion. But it's just getting to it is just super technically because of American legal system and the constitution, all that nonsense. Make it hard line and clear in your legal guidelines that if you do X, Y, and Z, you will be tried for murder or manslaughter. If you shoot somebody who was unarmed, who had who had no at no point showed that they had a weapon within reach, you didn't shoot to disarm, you shot to kill, because that's what they've been doing, they're shooting to kill. Like in the UK, I think I remember reading it years ago, this is like around a terror act in the early 2000s after 9-11. They were taught they were taught to shoot to kill when it's terrorism. That means before they were taught to shoot to disarm. We don't see shoot to disarm. They're letting shots off at guys at their back with no gun in sight. And then you say, oh, this person had a knife underneath. They are, mate. The the statement afterwards, there was so many, well, there was a knife, but it was in the side of the door, but then we said, put down the knife, but no. Okay, he brings out a knife. You have guns. (laughs) Like, take a step back. Who's that that guy in, um, is it Gambit that can throw... Flipping cars and it turns into a knife. Unless he's gambit with the knife and that. Yeah, like, this ain't Naruto or some shit. This is the thing. This is the thing. The the counter-argument to that is going to be, oh, but that puts the police in a precarious position. But it's like, bruv, there is so much evidence of police facing down white uh, uh, there was a brother walking the other day with an AK-47. All the through, like, just carrying hagen <laughs> it's madness. It's madness. It's like I don't see how the denial can stay there when there's so much evidence that it is disproportionate force. Like how? I don't get it. Uh, listen, I, I think there's a Martin Luther King's become very uh, gentrified by, by the white voice on on Twitter when it comes to discussing racism. But the the quote always gets left out by people who like to just bring up. Um, this children and that children is, is uh, I'm paraphrasing because I couldn't find the exact one, but it was about the biggest evil to peace and ending racial injustice isn't the people who are outwardly racist, it's the people who are scared of chaos necessary to actually tear down and look into these systems. And it's, and that's almost what it felt like happened in the NBA. It was like a day of, oh my God, what's going to happen before people, like a kid in the pool, just grabbed onto the side. 
and thought, no, nah, well, we can't, well, we can't go into the great unknown. But I feel like America and, and everybody needs to go into the great unknown because we're just cycling back again and again and again on little issues. I think you're right in that taking to the streets is, is massively important and massively impactful. But I think your main point is that it needs to be targeted law. And I think this needs to be something that whether post-bubble or right now, people grab a hold of and just centre themselves on the legal issue of police killing suspects and just not letting go of that, despite all the arguments that will come back in terms of, but they have to do their job and this, that and the other. It's, it's bullshit. That needs to be the central thing. Um, I'm really hopeful that something comes to this, man. I'm hopeful that the players... Because, like I said, it's not the players. The players have been doing what I guess is within their power to do in terms of their media availability. Um, but hopefully things get just a little bit more uncomfortable, to be honest, because because it is all just a little bit a little bit comfortable. Um, whatever, whatever that looks like, I don't know. But I'm I'm ready to give all the kudos and all of the praise to the first sort of set of players who do come up and put their reputations at risk and put their finances at risk. And, and it's, as, as Colin Kaepernick has shown, that's not an easy thing to do um, because of the consequences that come with it. But hopefully as a result of his experience, they can be relatively protected from that. Uh, any, any final words from everyone in terms, of, in terms of this? I think with the games, as we've established, there's such secondary importance that We'll, we'll jump onto Patreon and, and do some stuff on them this week. Um, but any final words on, on kind of what hope people hope to see, how people have felt about the whole thing? So, yeah, uh, for, me, for me, there will be a lot of people that listen to this that say sports isn't politics and this, that and the third. But uh, history has proven that that, that is wrong. Uh, sports and politics are interwoven. We've seen it over the course of history, whether it's black men raising fists on podiums or Muhammad Ali, these iconic images are woven into political messages or even just societal messages. Um, Alongside that, this we touched on Meek Mill. Meek Mill would probably still be in prison had it not been for sporting links. The Patriots owner took an investment in him and helped him, helped him reach the goal that he wanted to and is assisting all the initiatives that he's going through now so again these things these things are interwoven and we need to we need to acknowledge that and we need to utilize that to it to its maximum um whether that's us as as a collective who just speak on the sport or the athletes who have a have an ear of an owner and have an ear of people that are a lot richer and a lot a lot more influential than themselves or us. So I hope it continues and I hope that the next generation of NBA players uh, are able to build on the work that's being done now. Listen, not an easy discussion to have by all accounts, but I think one that was necessary, I'm glad we didn't um, rush through this and, and jump onto the games. Um, yeah, uh, on, on, to, on to this next week. And if it's half as long as this past one has felt, I think there'll be a lot more to sort of take in, digest, and, and reflect on um, and like everyone has said hopefully it's not just back to how things were and hopefully it just the uh, the centralisation of protest of, of speech up against these atrocities and everything just carries on 
um, and and is amplified more and more. Boys, thanks so much for your time. And um, yeah, everybody listening, like I've alluded to, a lot of our game breakdowns will be on www.patreon.com forward slash courtside fracker. That's C-O-U-R-T-S-I-D-E-F-R-A-C-A-S. As I have been saying for a year on the Chelsea pod, fracas, until someone said, yo, you need to Google that word, bro, and realise that it's actually fracas. <laughs> That's why I'm for everyone like me who does not speak what they read. Um, but yeah, so I look forward to being able to be entertained by the sport again. But I hope to see a lot more action with 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 all the words and, and alongside it. And we'll see what the owners' actions are. I think that's something we'll keep an eye on for next week in particular. See what what the reactions of this ownership is and the real, real influential and, and financial giants that are behind the game. But yeah, bless boys. I'll see you all next week and some of you in the week on Patreon. Um, it's been Courtside Fracker. Uh, see everybody next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.